It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The LA Clippers currently are the lowest scoring team in the NBA and are the second worst team as far as offensive rating is concerned. Why, with all the talent that the Clippers have, have they started out the season so poor offensively? Going to be talking about that and tackling it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel known as Dime Dropper for more Clipper content, which resumes this weekend starting with my vlog i'm going to be going to the hornets game on wednesday night and i'm going to be filming you know just my typical vlog by the way this episode is brought to you by better help anyways if you want an instruction manual in life check out better help going to be talking more about better help coming up but let's get into the main question and topic for today the clippers after in 2021 having a top 10 offensive rating, these last two seasons have not had good offenses relative to the rest of the league. Last season, they finished 25th in offensive rating. And for those unfamiliar with what the difference between offensive rating and points per game is, points per game is just your points scored per game, duh. Offensive rating is per 100 possessions. So what it does is it puts everybody on an even playing field where 100 possessions for each team, how much are you scoring on average? Because teams can play different paces. Now, everybody in today's game tends to play a faster pace than we saw seven years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But I think even across all eras, it's a good statistic for like offensive and defensive rating. Because for example, like Going back to the 60s, the Boston Celtics that won all those championships, not every year were they the number one team in terms of how many points they allowed. But without a shadow of a doubt, basically every single year they were number one in defensive rating. And that's why Bill Russell and them built that defensive empire and kind of started that defense wins chips kind of narrative that is, I wouldn't even say a narrative, a b-ball truth that has carried over decades and decades in, and it's still true to this day. And thankfully for the Clippers, they are doing better in that department where they are top five in the league. 
in defensive rating, but in offensive rating, they find themselves at 29th. And I put this down to a couple reasons. One, a lack of continuity. Two, some questionable coaching and rotation decisions. And three, actual X's and O's things that I'm going to be talking about in a sec. But let's start out with the blatant thing. Lack of continuity. So I'm going to give you a little theme, right? 2021 season, Clippers are top 10 in defensive rating. Clippers are bottom six the next two years. Uh, Why? I think there's one easy way to start, and it's called Kawhi Leonard is not always on the court. Kawhi Leonard didn't play last season. Clippers finished 25th in defensive in offensive rating. Kawhi Leonard is slowly starting to get back into the swing of things this season. But when you look at the first 10 games that the Clippers played this season, only one of them did they score over 111 points. Why that number? Eh, just the number I chose. But a number they couldn't seem to break really in the first 10 games except for one time. And how many of those first 10 games did Kawhi Leonard play? Three. No. Two, two games. And then Paul George was in and out of the lineup here and there in the beginning. He missed the, uh, a game against OKC. I'm sorry, he wasn't in and out of the lineup. He played besides that OKC game, but he was inconsistent shooting the ball. He had real offensive struggles to start the year. Like in, the, in that game against New Orleans, it really seemed like it had hit a peak that like PG was just really struggling. But then in the game against Cleveland... And as the season has carried on, you've started to see Paul George become the Paul George that Clipper fans are familiar with and NBA fans are familiar with. But overall, I think it's safe to say that the Clippers have been underwhelming on offense. And I think the start is just the Clippers have had no continuity, constant injuries. It's not easy to build any offensive rhythm and chemistry when you constantly have different players playing. And not even just different players playing in the game, different players on the court together. I mean, I've talked about it so many times in these podcasts. How many times have you heard me say this how many how, how many times have you heard me say probably the first time these guys have all played together in a certain lineup when talking about a game. I'll be like, "Yeah, Brandon Boston, Robert Covington, Nico Batum, Marcus Morris and Paul George, that's never been a lineup. Now we recently have Luke Kennard playing a little point guard because Reggie Jackson was out." And then there's been games where Reggie Jackson and John Wall's out. Then there's games where one of them's out. It's just, it's very hard to build any offensive chemistry and rhythm that way. And I think even though in 2021, the Clippers had injuries here and there, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George still played the majority of the season. Right now, you can say that about Paul George. You can't say that about Kawhi. The Clippers are going to play their 33rd game of the season on Wednesday night, and Kawhi Leonard has played 11 games. So he hasn't played the majority of the season, and a lot changes when Kawhi Leonard plays, as I talked about in the last episode, and why the Clippers are 9-2 and with Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. A lot changes when you just have a star out there that you can go get buckets. It's that simple. I mean, a couple of the games that tanked the Clippers' offensive rating this season were games like at Oklahoma City where they scored 94 points or versus Phoenix where they scored 95 points when when Kawhi Leonard was on a minutes restriction still you know like even the, like the opening game against the Lakers 97 points Kawhi's still on a minutes restriction it's not that fully unleashed version of the guy so it's normal to for the Clippers offense to not be as good now you might be thinking one player shouldn't mean that much it's not just one player though you know, John Wall is still getting situated into things. And Ty Lue's figuring out who he wants to play here and there. Remember, Norman Powell was starting in the beginning of the season. So I think that the Clippers not having that continuity 
and having so much depth that they don't know exactly how much to play guys and where to put guys is part of why it's been a little bit wonky offensively. I think that's the biggest reason, first and foremost. But coming up, going to elaborate more on some X's and O's thing. Why is, what, what does the offense actually look like? How can we really critique this Clipper offense? Going to be talking about more reasons why they're second worst in the league right now. I hate saying that. Coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And did you do you ever wish that you had a user manual, like an instruction manual that you get when you buy a new TV or something, but for life to help you when you reach a tough spot? Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. And navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. You know, it's really tough to admit sometimes when you need to talk to somebody. And a lot of people, especially males, young males, I don't know, I wouldn't even say young, but males in general, men are not supposed to share emotions and seek help and all that. I feel like it's discouraged. And for any women and men, but especially men. And sometimes you just got to admit that you need to talk to someone and you have problems. Whether you're not... As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash NBA. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, the Clippers. Let's talk about their offense, right? Since Ty Lue has taken over as Clipper head coach, he has done a better job than Glenn Rivers, in my opinion. I think I noticed the first game. You can even go back to my personal YouTube channel and go to the first game that Ty Lue coached the Clippers against the Lakers on opening night of the 2020-2021 season. And you could just see the creativity and the play calling was a little different. You had a lot more off-ball actions to get guys like Luke Kennard, Paul George available. You had some sets out of the triangle with Kawhi at the post and guys cutting off of him. You saw slightly more off-ball movement. Whereas with Glenn Rivers, it kind of just seemed like high pick and roll with Kawhi and Zoo or Paul George and Zoo constantly. And or the occasional J.J. Redick floppy play where they, you know, set a screen for him to curl. 
that worked so well for so many years at Lob City, kind of running that with Paul George. And, you know, that caused Paul George to say in the offseason, I'm getting run through a lot of pin downs. I feel like a role player at times. So Ty Lue definitely, when he came in, you saw the offensive rating jump. And you saw that the Clippers were a much better offensive team under him. What's funny is a couple years have gone by and the Clippers have had some bad offensive seasons or season and, and a quarter. And people are like, Ty Lue has no plays. He doesn't run any offense. Look, this is an honest truth that people need to understand about today's NBA. And I think a lot of people don't really get it yet. A lot of these teams run the same stuff. When you watch games throughout the league, how many teams do you think truly play differently and run insanely different plays? A lot of these plays are different variations of high screen and roll, Spain pick and roll, split pick and roll, all these different plays and dribble handoffs. Like it's basically just a high screen and spread offense and then you make a read. Because you know why they do, do that, rinse and repeat? Because it's the easiest way to create shots. I've explained it on so many occasions why it's the case. It's the easiest way to create shots to basically play a two-man game with shooters spread out. So if anybody needs to help on any of these guys, you're leaving a shooter open in the deep corner. And the spacing just makes it very tough to guard unless you have switch everything personnel. Now, since we're going to get a little schematic, let's talk about one obvious thing. The problem at point guard. The Clippers have had an issue at point guard for a couple years now. They don't have a traditional point guard, but I think that the traditional point guard is kind of dying these days. And when I say traditional point guard, I mean a table setter. I mean a guy that comes up the court and his first inclination is to pass the ball. But that's not how NBA offenses really run anymore. Your Andre Millers, your Jamal Tinsley's, your Sam Cassells, these guys... They, gave, they, could, they could score here and there, but they gave the ball up to their better scorers when they brought the ball up. Well, the way I was taught to play basketball, you bring the ball up, you move the ball around first. That's the way I was taught as a point guard to play. But nowadays, the game has changed. And now, the high screen and roll with the spread offenses give point guards the ability to get into the lane with little resistance and way, way more open lanes. So your point guard being a scorer actually creates for everyone else around you. That's why John Morant. That's why Trey Young. That's why Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Fred Van Vliet, Jamal Murray. These guys, they're probably better. Well, Trey Young is a really good passer and so is John Morant. But those guys may be better at scoring than they are at passing the ball. But because they get so much attention on that pick and roll, it creates open shots for everybody else. Now, for the Clippers, Reggie Jackson is not a great passer, in my opinion, for, a, for an NBA point guard. I think he can make good passes like everyone else. I think he has made some good passes in his Clipper career, no doubt. Some I can picture off the top of my head. But he is not a great floor general. And that being said, when I say floor general, I think part of that is basketball IQ. And I think, as I've said it many times, and this is nothing to hate on Reggie because I really love the guy. But when it comes to basketball IQ in the NBA level, Reggie Jackson is low. Like He makes really reckless decisions. He plays like it's a pickup game. Uh, he just he has unwavering confidence that sometimes can be amazing, but sometimes can hurt the Clippers. And I think that at times he'll just take reckless shots without moving the ball around. And I think him as the table setter for the Clippers offense is part of why the Clippers offense has not been that good the last two years. And these last two years, you've gotten a lot of Reggie Jackson. Simple as that. But is it all Reggie Jackson's fault? Absolutely not. 
I think Marcus Morris Sr. is also a guy that's very stagnant. I think he doesn't move much without the ball. He stands still, and he's a great scorer. But the thing is, he can be inconsistent. And you're starting to see that again this season. So when your major guys, like last season, for example, your major guys that you're relying on to score and create offense are Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, it's normal why your offensive rating is 25th in the league. Just simple personnel. It's not Kawhi and Paul George. Now, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, I should say, does a much better job of improving the offense single-handedly. He truly does. But then Paul George has those games where he's so inconsistent shooting the ball because he shoots long jumpers and sometimes isn't aggressive enough going to the rim for whatever reason, whether he's not being aggressive, whether he's not getting the calls at the rim, which we've seen so much. He'll settle sometimes, and that'll cause him to have like these 4 for 15 shooting nights where if Paul George is not hitting and these other guys aren't hitting, Clippers have to rely on their defense to win them this, these games. So I think just personnel not being that great in terms of it's a lot of these Clipper players are very hit or miss. You know, I talk about the point guard thing. John Wall is absolutely closer to a true floor general. But even when he was in Washington, he his downhill ability to just get to the basket and explode was the reason why centers would step up and he would give Marcin Gortat a bunch of gimmies at the basket. You know, he's leveraging his scoring ability to create assists as well. Even in, I think when John Wall started to ascend into his prime, I think that's when the league started to become even more pick and roll and it started to change. But John Wall, I think, is both a guy that can an attack first point guard, but also a guy that can set the table. The only problem with John Wall setting the table is when he gives the ball up, he's taking away all his value offensively. That's a problem because he doesn't hit open shots. He's not a great spot-up shooter, and he doesn't really move without the ball at all. And I really like John Wall. Like, I really do, but he doesn't really move without the ball. He kind of just, he's kind of really buying into this spot-up shooter thing with this team, and I don't like it because I don't think he's a good three-point shooter. He, he's like shooting 28% from three. Like, I just don't like it. That's the one thing I don't like that he does. Other than that, I love that John Wall, like the pace that he brings and everything else that he does. I think he absolutely does help the Clipper offense, no doubt. And he adds a pace. And I think part of the reason why the Clippers don't score that many points is because they play at a slow pace. And if you look at LeBron's uh, offenses with Cleveland, with Ty Lue as a coach, they weren't really high-paced either. I think Ty Lue likes to run a more half-court-based offense. But absolutely, guys like a guy like John Wall and Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann pushing the pace gives the Clippers easy baskets. And I think that they're doing that more of late. And they need to continue to keep doing that. But for I think the flaw at point guard in terms of personnel, having a not a like I'm gonna be real. Let's just be real here. Point guards may be the strongest position in today's game, in today's era. I think you look around the league, you got great point guards everywhere. Tonight or on Wednesday night, the Clippers are playing LaMelo Ball. He's a he's he's just was an all-star. You know, people can say whatever they want about him, but he's a really good, he's a really solid player. De'Aaron Fox, great point guard, great player. Chris Paul, you know, quote-unquote point god. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is averaging 30 points a game. You know what I'm saying? So Darius Garland, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard. You know, they're all over the place. So point guard's a strong position, and I think the Clippers... Honestly, this is one of the areas in which they're the worst in the league. Reggie Jackson and John Wall are, are solid, but they're not making you feel extremely comfortable to me in the playoff situation. So I think the lack of a point guard, especially last season, I think has really hurt the Clippers. I think they have a lot of role players that are kind of carrying them all the time. 
And role players are exactly that, role players. So if their shots are not falling, sometimes their shots are just not going to fall. They're not fully consistent. So if you're relying on role players, your offense will probably be in the bottom 10 in the league. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it's going to be. Paul George played, what, 30 games, 31 games in the 2022 last season. And the offense definitely looked better when he was on the court. But it's tough. I mean, who's his second best scorer? Marcus Morris? Reggie? Like, this isn't, it's not like, he, he didn't have Norman Powell towards the end. And I think Norman Powell absolutely helps the Clippers in this department, scoring the basketball. The Clippers need him back because he's instant offense. He's instant buckets. And again, how many games have Norman Powell and Kawhi Leonard played this year? So it really comes down to continuity, personnel, and what happens when your stars on the, are on the court, it changes everything for everyone. And I'm going to talk about coming up the exact X's and O's, exactly how Kawhi Leonard and Paul George change the offense in real time. Going to be talking about all that coming up. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends. For every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. On Wednesday night, the Clippers are 8.5 point favorites against the Charlotte Hornets. I would place a bet on them. The spread is minus 107, so place your bets on the Clips. I think they'll win the game by double digits, hopefully, but... The Charlotte Hornets just beat the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento, and they've been playing really good basketball, so do not be so sure. Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball will be back. Just remember to head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. So, to finish off, here's how I see the offense improve with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in real time. So the obvious, the blatantly obvious, is that when Kawhi, just one of them is on the court, it's a star. That garners star attention, which means that teams need to make decisions. Are they going to guard this guy one-on-one, or are they going to load up and start sending a bunch of help defenders? And usually, they always send help, which gives guys more open shots than they would be getting without them. So that's the blatantly obvious Okay, higher percentage shots for role players are going to help as opposed to Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson have to fight tooth and nail to create their shots. Same with guys like Terrence and Amir. But, or I should say as and also, when you have both Paul George and Kawhi out there, which has been rare this season, but when you see it out there together, when you see them out there together, the way they can play off of one another, the way Kawhi Leonard's getting double teamed, but now he's kicking it out to not just role players, but Paul George getting open shots? I mean, are you kidding? That's 
an extreme luxury to have two stars like that. Where, oh, Paul George is getting double teamed in the mid post. Let's swing it to Kawhi. Now a defender's closing out hard on Kawhi. He can take him off the dribble. And now your whole defense is just screwed. You have to collapse. All these different things. They're in rotation. So just having the star presences out there give everybody open shots. And I'm going to give you a huge reason why the Clippers offense wasn't doing great. When teams would switch everything on the Clippers bench, they didn't know where to go. When the Clippers would go small, it would be isolation basketball, which that's the whole point of switching everything to make people go isolation because they're not gaining an advantage in that pick and roll I just talked about. Well, and that's when the, the more casual fan will say, they're just doing iso ball. They're not running any plays. Guys, the play was a screen. You know, these plays are not that convoluted like or complex like as you think. You know what I'm saying? What you see is what you get. You know, it's a little bit more complex than I'm making it sound right now. Like, you know, the screens, where people are setting the screens, who they want involved in the action, this and that. But again, I'm going to keep saying it. Most of these NBA sets revolve around a high screen, whether on the ball or off of it. And then playing and making reads off of that. That's a lot of the NBA offenses today. Teams are not running the triangle. Teams aren't throwing into the post and moving off of that like they did back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. It's a different game now. It's mostly pick and roll. And being able to navigate that is a luxury. So when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're much bigger pick and roll threats because one, you cannot go under the screen with them at all, period. You go over the screen, that gives Paul George and Kawhi Leonard the downhill ability to get into the, to get all the way to the paint. Big man steps up, lob to zoo. If it's a pick and pop situation and they throw two at Paul George or Kawhi, pick and pop, throw the ball to Marcus Morris, whoever was setting that screen for a three. But a lot of times it's more pick and roll with zoo. And you have to make your decisions. And if you take away those, the ball handler and Zoo, you're leaving one of the shooters open. So Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are more than capable of making those reads. They're also 6'7 plus, so they can see over the top of defenses better than a Reggie and a John Wall can. But I do think that John Wall is the best pick and roll player on the Clippers. I do. He was a maestro in Washington. And he still has those abilities. And he still has the passing. That, that doesn't leave. But overall... The biggest reasons, when teams switched everything on the Clippers, they would force them to go isolation. When teams switch everything, that means you are losing that advantage and you have to play one-on-one. That's when you target the weakest defender on the other team. And I think at times the Clippers were not doing that. They weren't doing a good enough job of taking the, whoever the Clippers' best scorer was and make, putting the worst defender on the other team in the action. So then he switches on to the Clippers' best offensive player in that lineup and then going at them. But now... When Kawhi Leonard is on the court and teams are trying to combat the Clippers' small ball with their own small ball and switching everything, now we have a mid-post back-to-basket bully. And this is what I, one of my biggest pet peeves about today's NBA is the only reason why teams can really switch everything and go switch one to five, quote-unquote, is because the five-man these days is not posting up and punishing these little dudes. Like, you, I was, at the same time as I was overjoyed with what was going on in game six of the 2021 second round, we beat Utah, the famous, as I've alluded to on many occasions, the curse breaker game. The most appalling thing is that Rudy Gobert couldn't post up Reggie Jackson or Batum. It was insane to me. Like, you just, you don't see that in the 2000s. You didn't grow up seeing that. You know what I mean? Even though Chris, if, I'm telling you right now, like, I don't even mean to sound funny here, but you put Nicholas Batum on prime Chris Kamen, he's not, like, he's not guarding him. Are you kidding? He's going to get jump hooked to death. Like, 
just the post game is a lost art to me. But Kawhi Leonard, why I love it having him so much is because he make, as I said in the last episode, he makes these dudes look silly. He'll put them in the post, turn around, right shoulder, boom, turn around, left shoulder, boom. Oh, you're playing me uh, too aggressively. I'm just gonna spin and dunk. Like he takes advantage of these little wings or guards getting switched onto him. You can switch a little guard onto onto Norman Powell, you can switch him on a Terrence Mann or Amir Coffey. What are they, Nicholas Batum will get a point guard switched onto him and doesn't know what to do with it because he's not a really uh, create-my-own-shot kind of guy. When you have Kawhi Leonard out there, it changes everything. And when Paul George is out there, he needs to also go back to basket more because when he, as I said, mid-post Paul George just turns over the top of guys like it's, it's nothing. It's so pretty. So you're going to see the offensive rating increase with more Kawhi Leonard. I promise. And I think two guys that really are going to help are Luke Kennard and Norman Powell staying healthy. I think if those two can stay healthy, you're going to see more shot making. You're going to see the offensive points per game increase, the offensive rating increase. I don't think the Clippers will be bottom five by season's end. I truly don't. Will they be top 10 in both offensive and defensive ratings like some projected? Probably not. But if we can be top 15 in both, top five in defense and then top 15 in offense by season's end, that's fine because the thing is these 30 games are just going to go into the overall average, but that's not how the Clippers are going to look going into the playoffs because knock on wood, everyone's going to be healthy during the playoffs. It's not going to be taking sample sizes without Kawhi and with guys missing extended time. But speaking of that, I think that's another thing that the Clippers got to sort out. I think Ty Lue needs to figure out what his rotation is going to be, but it's very hard to do that when guys are constantly out. So again, it all comes down to health in the end. Every single thing just really comes down to health in the end. So the Clippers... No reports so far about what their help is going to be on Wednesday night. Still questionable are Ivica Zubats, Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson, and Paul George. Hopefully we get one or a couple of those guys back. But the great thing is Kawhi Leonard will be suiting up and I will be in attendance watching it. And I'm excited to see Kawhi for the second time this season. Just a pleasure when he's on the court wearing that Clipper uniform. Don't take it for granted, Clipper Nation. And don't take this podcast for granted because we're the only five-day-a-week Clipper podcast. Remember to subscribe to Locked on Clippers and answer today's pin question. What do you think is the biggest reason the Clippers offense has been so poor this season relative to the rest of the league? You let me know. Just remember to listen to Locked On Sports today for your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, remember to subscribe to Locked On Clippers. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper. I'll be doing a vlog for the Charlotte Hornets game released on Thursday. Remember the age-old proverb, go Clippers. Hopefully, they make it 19-14 and and get two wins in a row. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.